Amen. Some time ago, I was at a mall, and uh, they do these from time to time, these little structures built with Legos. They stack these things up and make huge cities out of them and huge structures. Uh, it's impressive to think what they can do with that. And later on, I visited the mall and noticed that the Lego structure was removed. It kind of fits what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. There's a time to tear down and there's a time to build. He said reverse. But, but sometimes in life, there's a time that you've got to do a little bit of both. Sometimes you've got to tear down some things before you can build. Sometimes you've got to restructure some things before you can build. Sometimes that's true with our life. There's some things in our life we need to take away so we can add something to our life that will build us stronger. We have to do those type of things. Sometimes it's true in church. There's some things that happen that we have to take away from sin in our life, some issues in our life, some lack of faith in our life. We've got to take away those things so we can build new things. Uh, but it's a time to build. Uh, what we have to say is that when you look at the Bible, the early church in Acts was a building, growing church. And I believe that we can have that again in churches. I think we can have it here. If we don't believe that, we, we say that God's not strong enough. If we don't believe that, we think that prayer doesn't work. If we don't believe that, then we, if we deny that, we say that evangelism's not possible but the bottom line is it is a time to build. And the early church in Acts looked as if it would be completely torn down by the enemy. And by the way, I want you to know this. No matter what church you go to, this church or whatever church, I want you to know there is one person in our environment, one person in the universe that wants your church to die. Satan. We can't let that happen to our churches. Churches are closing every week. Because people aren't faithful to them and people aren't giving to them. People aren't serving in those churches. And we are allowing Satan to shut down the church. We can't let that happen. I'm not going to do it. And they didn't let it happen. But following a very successful preaching ministry effort, the main evangelist, Paul. Can you imagine saying, hey, come to our church. The Apostle Paul is preaching at Valwood Park Baptist Church. That ought to fill a church. But they, they, that probably drove some people crazy. This guy that was a persecutor now preaching about believing in Jesus. And so they took this persecutor and they left him from dead outside the city. But I want you to know the Apostle Paul was down, but he wasn't out. And every church can have those ebbs and flows. They can be down, but they don't have to be out. And your spiritual life can get low, but you don't have to be done. Don't let Satan finish you off. You say, stand up for him. You stand up for God. And you stand against Satan. You sing that song, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee away. I'm going to be a Christian soldier. I am going to watch and pray. You're not going to mess with me. I'm going to say that. Paul was down, not out. He found strength. We can find his strength for our church and our life today found in Acts chapter 14. I want you to look at that verse, and if you will, verse 19 through 23. And if you will, follow it. If you see it on the screen, if you have it in your Bible, stand with me. And let's read this. You follow along as I share it together. Verse 19 of chapter 14 of Acts. And we're going to read down through verse 23. Verse 19 says, Some Jews from Antioch and Iconium... And when they were won over the, when won over the crowds, uh, they, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, thought he was dead. And let me just stop there. Sometimes you can look at situations in your life, you think they're dead, but they're not. Dead things by God's power can be revived and restored. Amen? They thought 
They made a mistake. And the atheists and the agnostics and the people of this world that want the church to go around, they can think they're winning, but they're not right. We, they're not right. We may be down, but we're never going to be out. Not, by, not as long as we can claim the promise. Jesus said the gates of hell will never destroy the church. No way. No way, Jose. Says, so they, after, after the disciples, after the, the, the persecutors thought he's dead, the, the disciples gathered around him. And he got up and went into the town. The next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. And after, verse 24, after they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch. Whoa, that's a bad place to go back to. Strengthened the disciples and encouraged them to continue in the faith by telling them, it is, and I don't like this, it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. There's a battle, folks. We're in a battle for faith. And when they had appointed elders for everyone in the church, they prayed with fasting and committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, bless us as we break down this text and apply it to our life and to our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to be brief and say in three things to you today. First of all, if we're going to build our life spiritually, if we're going to build our church spiritually and correctly, we have to build our life around a fellowship of believers. This is the way God did it from the beginning. People came to church. People came together. People studied together. People worked together. People battled together. They built together. And Paul found strength in people. When Paul was left for dead, the other disciples came to him. Let me ask you this. Is there somebody that you know that they're just on the very depths of their faith? They're hanging on by a thread. They don't know if they're going to believe anymore. They're ready to, ready to walk away from God. They're ready to leave the church. Don't let them do it. You go get them, and you do your best to restore them by God's power. Go get them. Paul was left for dead, but the disciples came. What did they do when they came? Prayed? Possibly. Cried? Probably when they saw him beaten up like that. Worried? This could be my future. I'm looking at the face of a wounded man and I'm going to stand up for Jesus publicly. You want me to do that? Were they worried? Sure. But the big thing is, they just came. Sometimes what people need is not a lot of advice. Maybe they just need somebody to come and check on them. They just came. They just came. I was discouraged one time thinking I'd entered the wrong ministry and young young deacon of the church out of Brook Hollow Baptist Church saw my discouragedness, discouraged spirit. He came in and didn't say a word. He just hugged me. He didn't say, let's pray. He just hugged me and then he prayed. But first he hugged me. And said, I can see you're discouraged. And I want you to know I'm there for There's something special about the people that just come in our life. Be that kind of person. He found strength in friendship. He found great strength in friendship. And that fellowship of friendship was really special. That's great. In fact, it's, it's amazing how if you open your eyes, how you can see believers out there in society. How many know that I love to go to Jason's Deli? Can you get that? Yeah. I think, let's go there to lunch. Let's all go. Jason's Deli, yeah. I was at Jason Daly this last week, and I noticed a young couple, well, probably my age couple, I think that's young, a young couple, just a table over, I noticed they joined hands, and they started praying publicly, thanking God for provision. And I didn't know their name, but already I was having fellowship with them. 
I looked in his pocket. He had a gospel track that said, Jesus only. I went over and took him by his hand as I left to get ice cream. <laughs> I wasn't going yet. I'm getting ice cream, folks. As I left, I took him by his hand and said, hey, I want to tell you, are you believers in Jesus? I asked that question. They said, we are. I said, I want to thank you for being fellowship to the Son of God and being faithful to him. I had my ice cream. We got up to leave. I waved to him. He lifted his finger, and he said, there is but one king. I had fellowship with somebody I never knew because it was under the umbrella, the mighty kingship of Jesus Christ. He had strength in fellowship, strength in numbers, strength in suffering. He had strength in God's faithfulness. There's something about being faithful. We need to work at faithfulness in our churches today. One writer, Tim Rice, whom I've read some of his stuff, he said, what we need in church is more fat people. <laughs> he said, it was an acronym. He said, fat stands for, here's what we need in church. We need people who are faithful, F, people who are available, A, and people who are T, teachable. We need more faithful, available Teachable people in our church. We are fat people at Bowood Park. Can you imagine if we put that other sign? We are full of fat people. Come join us. <laughs> Build your life around fellowship of believers. James Hewitt, pastor, said this, preaching on faithfulness. He says, and he writes and I read, all that I ask about the church is that we apply some of the same standards of faithful church activities that we would in other areas of our life. Is that too much to ask? The church, after all, is concerned these days about faithfulness. Consider the examples. If your car started only three times a week, would you say, what a faithful car? He, says, he said, he said if, if you didn't go to work two or three times a month, would your boss say, what a faithful worker? If your water heater greets you with cold water three days a week, and five, four days a week, it's not good. You would say, that's a faith. No, that's not a faith. You bump, you bump that thing. Get him out of here. You know? If you didn't pay your mortgage payments, eight out of 12 months, would they say, what a faithful person to pay his debt. James Hewitt says, in our churches today, we need to be faithful. We need people who are more than interested. People who get involved. And say, I'll be faithful. We need to preach that to our church. And let me just say this. We're here. I mean nothing in your face about this. I love you. But let me tell you something. The very best thing you can do to make this a better church is to come more often. Somebody asked me. I was visiting with Justin, Justin Sander for the other day at a, at a McDonald's, I don't usually go there, but I was visiting with him and McDonald's. I had a Dr. Pepper and he introduced me to a couple and some, this couple talked about church. And so you're the pastor of Alwood Park Baptist Church. She said, how many are you running? How, how many are I said, well, we run about 400. We catch about 150. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say this. We need to start catching more people. Don't be a hard catch. 
Don't make a pastor have to chase you. Don't make a friend have to win you. You come for the king. You come for him. We need fellowship. The second thing we see in building this building church in this text is verse 20. It says, encourage them to continue in the faith. Build your life around fellowship, but build your life around faith. Paul was wounded, but he went back. What, what took him back to the city? He, he was faithful. He had faith in God. William Parkley said, today in our modern society, our churches are being led by the mob and not by the master of Jesus Christ. Don't have mob theology. You don't do what everybody, so everybody else does this on their Sundays. You don't be with the mob. You be with the master. You listen to him. And by the way, if you want, you want faith like they had, just follow just quickly what they had. Faith made them brave. Hey, let me tell you something. There are hundreds and thousands of people who have died so that we can preach this Sunday and we can worship for that. They've died for this. Hundreds, and still today, there are people in the world, not in America, thankfully, thankfully, but the people around the world who are having to put their life on the line. And if people in dangerous neighborhoods, in dangerous cities, in dangerous countries can stand up for Jesus, why in the world in this peaceful America can't we get Christians to stand up for Jesus and be brave just to be here? I want to be a person that stands up for Jesus. Faith will make you brave. Faith will make you behave. That changes the way you live. Changes the way you act. Changes how you write a check out on Sunday. This isn't tithing, but let's throw that in there. Faith will make you behave. And faith will make you believe when others do not. Some people that day might have said, Paul, you shouldn't do that. Paul, I would never do what you're doing. Paul, you cannot do that. And if he would have let himself, he could have been tied up in knots and he could have been in a prison without being in one because of the negativity that was around him. Listen, let's believe that we can. We can. Hey, remember the old song, God can do anything, anything. God can do anything but fail. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Our God can do anything but fail. Faith sets us free. Faith sets us free from bondages we have. In fact, he set the leper free. He set the blind man free. He set the demon possessed and the sinful woman. He, by the way, how free did he set people? You asked Lazarus. He said, he set me free from death. We need, we need churches that have great faith today. Just a quick word about faith. I read an article recently that said this, believe it or not, the lack of faith is predicted in Scripture over 2,000 years ago. Peter was inspired to predict that in the last days, scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, saying, where is the promise that's coming? Then he says in the next chapter, he says, where the people who completely ignore the history of Jesus. And then in chapter 3, the apostle Paul of chapter 3 said this. He said, Peter predicted that, uh, Paul predicted that, that people would be deceived from the faith and they would depart from the faith. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, Paul said this. There will be those in the last day who will do this. Here it is. They will they'll do this. They'll discard the faith, which means they'll throw it away. We need to pray for our nation, folks that we don't throw away our faith.
listen, build our life around faith. And finally, they built their life around the freedom they had. They're free to go back. People are free to go to church. Verse 26, Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God. There they were committed. They were completely committed. And they went back now for the work of God that they had now completed. They completed it. All of grace. Grace sets us free and allows us to be directed. Grace sets us free and allows us to be developed. Grace lets us free and allows us to deliver the message. You know why we get to go to church? Not because of law. You know why you get to go to church? And by the way, I used to tell my children when we'd travel on vacation, we always went to church on vacation. And, and I love Brian. I'm not trying to make him feel bad. But he and Jared both would say in unison, like they practiced like a choir song. When soon as soon I say, Mom and I said we'd go to church, they'd say, do we have to go? We always had the same response. The same response was, no, we get to go. Go to church, folks. Go to church. Hey, I uh, want to share with you a couple things. These are Legos. I want to share with you four building blocks that we need as a church. Building block number one. If we're going to build our life according to Jesus, we'll have to believe that God means what he says. It's true. The Bible says in Titus, God never lies. Did he mean it or not? Second building block, we have to believe that if he said it, we ought to know it. To know God's word. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're not reading the Bible, you start. You start reading. Number three, third building block. If you believe the Bible, if you believe that God is telling the truth, you should be willing to tell somebody else about Jesus. That's a building block. The church cannot share the message and spread the message if all of us don't do it. It's not just the job of the preacher to tell somebody about Jesus. It's your job, your assignment, given by Jesus Christ. And if you're not telling others about Jesus Christ, you're not letting the church down. You're letting yourself down, and you're letting your Savior down. If he died for you, how in the world can we not tell others that he died for us? Building block number four. Whenever... You believe God's word is true. Whenever you understand and learn God's word, whenever you share God's word, he says, there's something else I want you to do. Make sure you practice it. James, be you doers of the word and not hearers only. So we got to do it. Some of you know that my wife and I have this house that has serious foundation problems. Some of you are quite aware of that. Some years ago, we had the foundation worked on and they had 40 piers in their house putting it up level. It's quite an ordeal in cracks. Everything happened around the building inside. And so we got it all completely finished, we thought, and they had the, all cement floors, and there were holes all in there, and we tried to live in and out of that best we could during that process, 40 piers inside and out. Uh, we flushed commode and tried to use the washing machine, and, and all of a sudden everything backs up. The sewage line had broken underneath the middle of the house. So we had it tested. They run a camera down there. You know, the technology. They find it's broken right in the middle of your living room. So they bring a guy out. Fortunately, thankfully, the insurance paid for part of it. And they bring, he digs this big hole underneath the house. Just big, I mean, and, and he, he, he gets down in it. And, uh, he, I mean, it's awful, nasty stuff. He gets in, he just throws dirt. There's a pile of dirt like this. And he fixes it, and he gets it all sealed back together. And uh, he's filthy, dirty, and nasty. The cement crew was going to come the next day to put the cement in. He said, I'm finished today. 
and he gives me a piece of paper and he said, he said, will you do this? And I said, I'm not supposed to get a bill. The insurance company is going to take care of part of it. I'm not supposed to get a bill yet. He says, no bill. I just want you to write a recommendation for me, Jesus, who did this work for you and give the letter to my boss who's going to be here this afternoon. So I said, I'll do it. And he did a great job. And he said, uh, can I borrow your hose? I said, um, sure. And he said, is that a garage sale next door? I said, it is. He walked over to a neighbor's garage sale, bought a bunch of clothes, old clothes. Didn't fit him. He says, I'm going to take, take a shower. I said, you're welcome to shower. He said, no, I came too nasty to shower in your house. He goes outside and he showers and washes with the hose hanging above his head and cleans himself completely. Then he goes into my storage building. He wouldn't change inside. I'm too nasty, too wet. He goes into the storage building where I keep my lawnmowers and my edgers and my chainsaws. And, and we, he, he goes in there. He changes. He comes back. By this time, I have the letter ready. I hand it to him. And he said, no, you give it to my boss. I don't need it. You tell him. So let me tell you what I wrote. I wrote, dear sir, I want to thank you for sending Jesus to my house. He dug down deep where things were broken that I had no idea where the things were broken. He, got, he went through all the trash and nastiness and the mess of my life and he didn't take anything, leave anything behind. He completely cleaned it out and everything works in my home right now. Thank you for your wonderful worker, Jesus. And I sealed it up, offered it to him and then gave it to his boss. After I gave it to his boss, something happened in my heart and I sat down at the table and I wrote another letter that night. And it went something like this. Dear God, I want to thank you for sending Jesus into my life. He went down deep into my life and my soul. And he fixed broken things that I didn't even know were broke. He took the awfulness and sinfulness and the nastiness of sin. And he took it away and he bore it all on his body. And he did it for me. Dear God. Thank you for sending Jesus for me. Thank you for sending Jesus. And I want to tell you, from then and from the beginning when I was 17 years old, I am proud and thankful that God sent Jesus to me and I've built my life and I want us all to build our life on a son of God that does all the nasty stuff and all the sinful stuff and he takes it all for you and we build our life on Jesus. It's time for us to build our life again and saying, dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to our life and to our church. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I want to inspire us to be loyal followers of the work that Jesus started. And I pray that everybody in here may think about this. Maybe we should all go write our own personal note to Jesus. It'll change your life. If you're in here today and you need Christ as your Savior, we want you to receive Christ. We can help you down front. Just come and say, I need Christ. If you're here, you'd like to join the church, we want you to come. If you're here, you'd like to come pray. I want to invite people to come to the altar. Let's pray that God would help us build this church. Let's pray that God help us build each other. But I want you to come. Let's all stand together and let's pray together as we stand. Father in heaven, send those who need to make decisions. Send people to the altar to pray that we would build our life again on the reality and the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. Change our life, oh God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We come. Worthy of every song we could ever sing.
God bless.